Amen, amen. In this last installment of God the Story Changer, we'll be talking about how God changed the story of the woman. Let's hit it up. Father, we thank you, honor you for this great and mighty a reality that you change stories, that you change trajectories, that you interrupt lives. And so, God, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a mighty God, and you are the one that, that I mean, our lives are not on automatic. It is definitely on manual, and you are manually shifting the gears of our life so that we can be more committed and effective in honoring and glorifying you. And so, God, today, as we close out this series, but not to close out our lives from you changing our story, help me today. I need power. I need strength. I need that, the spirit that makes preaching easy. So, easy. so let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and help us not to just be hearers of the word and deceiving ourselves, but help us in the mighty name of Jesus to be effectual doers. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree that's it? Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. As you know, we, we have been six weeks. This is the sixth week of our going through our series through God the Story Changer. And so we've taken time to choose people from the Bible who God has, been, has worked with. And when they came in contact with the living God, the living God made their lives inexplicably different. It is impossible to encounter the Lord and not be different. It's, not, it's impossible for him to come and cut you off at the pass and you uh, not be different. Somebody should have said amen right there. Um, um, and, so, and, so, and so we've gone through uh, the life of Abraham. We've gone through, in the sense of talking about a, a piece of his life. We've gone through Joseph. We talked about Gideon. We've talked about uh, the disciples in John. We've talked about uh, Samson. And today we're talking about the woman. Somebody say the woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today we're talking about the woman, and we, we we're laying this out because in our series we've been talking about three levels of a, of a narrative. Somebody say macro narrative, micro narrative, and meta narrative. If you remember, based on us kiting or pulling from culture and redeeming those terms of a micro narrative, which is the narrative or trajectory of your life individually. A macro narrative is uh, the, the global direction of all people groups. And then meta narrative is the reality of the fact that no matter what happens on the micro or the macro, God is the one who is able to invade and bring the larger story of his decrees and what he wants to do, his might and what he wants to change, his power and what he wants to transform to make sure that what happens on the meta level hits the micro and the macro so that your life is changed and it's connected ultimately to him. Are you tracking with me? And so, and so we come to uh, the, uh, one of the synoptic gospels, and I love the synoptic gospels. Uh, 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 be, uh, uh, be, we believe that Mark was the first, and uh, then possibly Luke, Matthew, and John is not a synoptic, but he connects to them. And, and all four of the gospels uh, speak of um, uh, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ, even though they speak of them differently. Mark calls him the suffering servant. Uh, Luke calls him the son of God. John calls him uh, the God of the universe. And Matthew Matthew does a little bit of a different twist on it. He calls him the messianic king of the universe. In other words, he wants to make sure that people know that Jesus is a legitimate king. You know what I'm saying? In, 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 in other words, he's not just got a hook uh, on a track that says he's a king. 
In, in other words, when you look out into creation and see the beauty and the glory of what God used him to bring into existence, um, he is the one that uh, uh, the, 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 the palm trees sing hooks to. He's the one that the waves sing hooks to. He's, he's the one uh, that the whale shark moves about and, live in, and we're the one in whom we live, move, and have our being. He's the messianic king of the might of, of, of he's the mighty one of the universe that is worthy of our worship. And so, and so because of that reality and because of that beauty we see here in a passage uh, that's wrapped around the idea that's neatly nestled here, some things about this value of Matthew's commitment to push him as the messianic incarnational king that came from heaven to earth through virgin birth and started from the bottom and, didn't, and, and, and worked his way up by the might and power of the Spirit. And so we come to this passage, we come to a great passage, and it's nestled in between really two bizarre texts. Each of the synoptics, even though uh, this story is in three of, two of the synoptics and John's book, Luke has a different account of a different story with a prostitute. The other two, in uh, Matthew and Mark and John, are connected to each other, but gives a different spin on the story. But the thing that they have in common is their placement of it. The place where they place it is right after the plot to kill Jesus is set by the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Sanhedrin. But then right after that, right after this passage in verses 15, 14 and on, we see that um, Judas, one of his closest aces, uh, bails on him to betray him uh, for silver. But in the middle of here, we feel a fragrance. We feel an aroma that in the darkest moment of Jesus's life, in one of the greatest moments of his life uh, 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 that, that's about to happen in the sense of uh, 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 him paying for the sins of the world, in between this, we see something that seems to be an interruption and seems like it shouldn't be here, but it's here in this text, it, which brings me to my first point and one point only today. Um, in God, the story changed. In the life of the woman. I got one point and one point only. Your story's depth, your story's depth is always connected to how much you value Jesus. The depth of your story is always connected to how much you value the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come here uh, to this passage and we see uh, a, a good reality. He says, now when Jesus was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. Stop right there. Um, we look here and we see that he was in Bethany. Bethany was his hangout spot. He's from Nazareth of Galilee, <clears throat> born in Bethlehem, but he mostly hung out in Bethany. Uh, Bethany was the place where everybody went. Uh, it's a suburb of Jerusalem, if you will. So Jesus technically didn't live in the hood, like people say. In, during his, during his um, ministry, he lived in the burbs uh, because he couldn't be out there where everybody was grabbing at him. The only place he, he could go was here, and he hung around his friends. But this city is known for when they had the feast in Jerusalem, that this would be the place um, where everybody went uh, to get lodging. So this was like a hotel city, if you will, that people hung out at. But out of season, it was probably a more quiet town outside of this season. And so Jesus hung out there, and he had a motley crew of different types of people that he hung out here with. And, and you don't want to pass anything in Scripture, because the Bible says he was at the house of Simon the leper. I, I, I like that. I, I, I like the fact that Jesus is in the house of an outcast. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me say that again. In, in, in other words, you, you would think 
that the God of the universe would have had the mayor of the city or the congressman or the governor, or he would have been in their house or some type of king's house, but he found himself not in the house of the upper echelons of society, not that it would have been wrong, but the God of the universe found himself hanging out in the house of a man who found himself at some point a, a, a leper. But what's interesting about the passage is Simon was there. And since Simon was there, that means he was no longer a leper. That, that means that something had to happen in his life for him to go from leper to non-leper, yet still be called a leper. In, in, other, in other words, he came in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you know anything about Jesus Christ enough to know that when you come in contact with him, Things in your life that push you off by people causes you to be brought in close by God. Let me just let you know something. If you're ostracized, if you're the black sheep of your family, if you, Jesus likes to deal with people that's outcast by people because he can pull them close to himself. And, 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 and so in this passage, we see Simon, uh, because he had a time in his life where he was unclean and he had to stay away from people. And when he was walking past, he would have to yell, unclean, fall back. They didn't say fall back, I added that. Unclean, <laughs> fall back. But that's what unclean meant. It meant fall back for you catch something. So all of his life was spent, or the part of his life that he had leprosy was spent in solitary confinement away from the existence of establishment and culture. That means that he did, only people he was around was people that was messed up like him. And so the fact that Simon has a house and he's in it with people present in the house means that Jesus Christ healed him, but he still called a leper for two reasons. Some people couldn't let go of the fact that God changed his life. <laughs> See, sometimes every now and then people just still call you what you were. Oh, y'all don't. See, so, okay. We're going to, oh, help me today, God. Everybody on the block got a nickname. Everybody on the college campus got a nickname. You know what I'm saying? We, we, had, we had Juju the drug dealer. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 had, we had Shaquita on the, you know, we had all different types of people. On the block, we had all kinds of people. Um, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Dude called Fats because he's big. Black because he's real dark. You know, uh, you know, all different types of names. And, and, and what happens sometimes is when God delivers you from something, people still want to call you based on what he delivered you from. Oh, you're not going to talk about it to me. And so, and so, but, but, but there's another reason. Because he's called that possibly so that they can never forget what God delivered him from. Right. <laughs> in, in other words, it, it's two sides to it. You can be called what you were so that people can keep you where you were. But you can be called what you were so that you never forget what you were. So you always thank God for taking you from where you were to where you are now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and so, and so Simon the leper, he's in, he's in his house. He got a crib now. Jesus upgraded him like him. He didn't have a crib. They used to have to be outside the city. You know what I'm saying? Hanging with each other, talking leper language, right? Now Jesus Christ has changed their life. Now he's able to come out of his leprosy, and he got a crib unless he inherited it. And so Jesus is in his... So, so this is an open-door type of environment because it's a hospitality environment. So people would just show up at your house. It ain't like it is today. You don't just show up at people's house. Just walk in. You know what I'm saying? You can't do that. Boom. Now we see in this idea that this is an interesting idea in Bethany where we see Jesus Christ, all his friendships. This is community. These are his relationships. So the Bible says a woman, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Now, 
<coughs> they didn't have lazy boys back then, you know what I'm saying? When you push a little button and the joint go back like that, or it go back real slow like that movie theater out in Springfield. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, but, but what, what they would do, reclining at the table, I uh, hope I can get back up from this, it's not literally, the table was really the floor. Um, let me see how we can work this out. Um, <laughs> reclining at the table was him laying on a pillow. <clears throat> so he, it's a nice pillow with some paisley on it, and you know them little f- fling things that be on the side. And so Jesus at the table with some pita bread eating some, some, some barbecued lamb, you know what I'm saying? With some mint herbs and he's squeezing around, eating and chilling, talking to some prostitutes, talking to some old drug dealers, talking to people who cheated on their taxes, talking to people, amen. <laughs> Help us God. Amen, amen, amen. All us been delivered from something. Don't you laugh like you ain't been delivered from something. <laughs> she done stole the sermon. Um, and so he's chilling there. Now you gotta understand, he's reclining at the table. So he's reclining, just relaxing and chilling, minding his own business. Boom, he's sitting on the floor. But I'm not. Um, thank God I got back up. So now, <clears throat> she walks. So, so, so before, uh, the Bible says it's very expensive. Uh, perfume or ointment. Now, the flask that it's in, they didn't put these in glass bottles. These were, this was an Egyptian uh, sort of covering flask that you would encase stuff in. Because once you opened it, it was out. And so the ointment was from India. So we got an imported vial. And then we got imported expensive nard as Mark and John points to it. And, 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 and see, you got to understand, the woman ended up in the other gospel being Mary. And then at the table was Lazarus. He's raised from the dead. He's in the room. Martha, who's always doing something, always got to do something. Boom. <laughs> Mary, intimate, right? And she's been changed by Jesus. She's been changed. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And she says to herself, how can I tell him thank you? They got to understand the alabaster flask is worth 300 denarii, which means in their day that was a year's salary. And so it probably was a family heirloom, heirloom that you, background commentators say, this is a family heirloom that probably has been in her family generations and is only supposed to be popped in special occasions. And so she's going around and she's looking in the house. She's like, she's looking around and trying to see what she could do for Jesus. She going around here, she looked behind linen curtains and wool curtains, and she looking behind all different types of things. So she goes in the storage canister, and there are all types of vials in there, and she sees something that's been in her family for a long time, and it says on it possibly, don't open until something special happens. Help me today, God. And, and, and it's closed in, and this nard is in it, and, and she says, this is it. This, this, is, this is what I can give to him. This, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over Simon's house, and I'm going to show him what changing my life meant to me. I can't pay. This is not paying him back, because I can never pay for what he's done for me. But, 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 but I'm, going to, I'm going to take this over, and I don't care what people think when I open it. I don't care how embarrassed I might look. He's been too good for me for me to keep it to myself. 
And so she walks into the house and Jesus is eating and talking and, and she walks into the dude's house and open up some perfume. Now you gotta understand, like culturally, like you don't just go in somebody's house and start spraying. <laughs> Do you understand? Y'all gotta get with the text. Like, <clears throat> say somebody come in your house and be like, dang, you know, just going like this. Shh. We need some Febreze up in this mug, you know what I'm saying? Shh. You know, uh, 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 come up in the house, she come up in the house and, and the first thing she does, she bursts open the top of the flask. First time it's been open ever in generations. Pops it open and immediately the aromatic fragrance becomes ground zero for worship. And then what she begins to do is she begins to pour it over his head and rub his hair and massage his scalp as the oil of this pure nard runs down the locks of the Savior. And as she's sitting there, she's, 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 she's unadulteratedly blown away by what he's done for her, that she's willing to take things in her life, something in her life that means so much to her that, that, that she, could, she could get paid a year's salary off of it, but he's been so good to her that he can give it back to her if he wanted to. And even if he doesn't, he's been so good that she wants Jesus to know, I love you to death, Lord. I just want to ask you in your life, what in your life are you holding on to that you need to pour over the Savior? <clears throat> she, she shows his value. See, when you're a real believer in Christ, when you look at the Savior and look at what you value most, Jesus is worth more than what you value the most. <laughs> and you don't see what you give to him as a loss because of the gain he's been to you. So, but look what happens though. Hateration is always knocking at the door. And so, in the midst, in the midst of her doing this, you know what I also like about this? This is, this is, this for free. She came up to him. Now, don't, don't miss that. <clears throat> See, in their day, women were viewed differently. But Jesus, when he set a woman free, it freed her in her femininity in a way that was different than men and the world could. In other words, being freed by Jesus doesn't mean that you walk under the tyranny of bad male leadership. This for free. It also doesn't mean <clears throat> that you allow unbiblical femininity to be what you view Christ freeing you for. <clears throat> See, when Christ set you free, you're free to understand womanhood from his standpoint, not the world's standpoint. See, see, the question is, some of us, this is for free, ladies, some of y'all's characteristic of womanhood is substandard of what Jesus Christ paid for. In her coming up to him, she was freed up to come in the room in a different way than she would have before she met him. And because she met him, she, 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 everything else gets out of the way, and she makes a beeline to the Savior. When you make a beeline to the Savior because of what he's valued to you, he's done something in her identity that relationships didn't do. He did something in her identity that money couldn't do. He did something in her identity that love from a man couldn't do. Let me tell you something. When Christ comes in your life, and when Christ changes your life, and when Christ transforms your life, when you recognize the 
the great expanse of the might of his love, the commitment he got to you. You won't worry about what somebody else got to say about you because of his goodness and his glory and his grace that your identity is in. I got to move. I got to move. Help me today, God. She came up to him, came up to him. And it's interesting. It says, I like the fact that she's a woman because all the dudes were acting like some suckers. His best dude, putting him on blast. The leaders of Israel, leaders of Israel, no love for him. Even his own 12 aces who he prayed all night and picked, they brought the dip on him. But the most bold women, the most bold people in the gospel narrative was women who were blown away by the might of the king of glory. You give me a woman that's blown away by the might of Christ. You got something on your hands. There's nothing more beautiful than a woman who is blown away by Jesus Christ. Help me today. It's nothing. Oh, my God. Listen, listen. You get a woman. You let Jesus get a hold for a woman for real, for real. For, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about half whole. I'm talking about fully whole. When, when Jesus get a hold of you, 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 have, you have beyond your own vernacular that's pushing you. I love the fact that the only people that kept wanting to be near Jesus was the women. And so she, she made her way through. She made her way through. She made her way through for her Savior. She made her way through for the one she loved. There was nothing sexual like some scholars say. This was all eternal love of a woman who was blown away by the glory of the king of glory. And she said, I got to go. I got to go pour this over my king's head. And she brought it over. But then every time you value Jesus, don't think the value will be around you. Look at what they say right here. It says, and when the disciples stop right there. Now, these are followers of Jesus, followers who will be in love with Jesus just as much as her. Look what they say. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant. <clears throat> now, what's interesting here, Jesus is laying on the floor. She's poured the ointment over his head. The fume is going everywhere. And the disciples are like, man, what in the world is she doing, man? Man, we could have gave that joint to the poor, man. She'll be pouring all that stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why in the world she do that, man. This a waste like a mug, man. You see what she doing? I know, man. I was looking. I was trying to turn my head. This is embarrassing, man. Pouring all that stuff all over. Man, the smell everywhere, man. You can only use it one time, and she going to pour all of it on Jesus? Says, why the waste? Did you get that? They said, why are you wasting something so expensive on Jesus? There's only one reason why you will ask a stupid question like that. The reason why you would ask a stupid question like that is because you don't know who the one who's having the ointment poured over him is. See, 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 the fact that they saw the ointment and not Jesus is a mess. See, let's, let me, help me today. If you see the value of something and Jesus is in the room and you're still looking at it, you've missed it. You've missed it. 
And so they're getting indignant. Why this way? In other words, why in the world would you waste on Jesus? Hold on. Is it possible? Hold on. Is that even possible to, wa- to waste something on Jesus? Like, really? This is a waste. How can anything in our life be a waste? Let me tell you something. There's nothing that you've given up for Jesus that's a waste. See, when you wrestle with giving something up that he's calling you to give up, and you call it a waste, you've missed it. You, you've, you've missed it. I remember. Remember, it was 1993. I just crossed the burning sands of a fraternity. And I was, I was a young buck. I was a neophyte. I was, a, I was a, a stepmaster, and everybody knew me on the campus. E. Mace, stepmaster. I was killing them, right? <laughs> Boom. God started getting at my chin. He's like, walk me through Ephesians chapter 5. He says, give it up. He says, said, God, what do you mean? And starts walking me through Acts chapter 19. Show me how I loved my frat more than I loved Christ. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to take your pledge pen, your brick, your staff, your nail, your, and everything, and I want you to go back to the bros and give it all back to them and share the gospel with them. And I was like, the devil is a liar. You know what I'm saying? I done paid a lot of money to get up in this mug. You know what I'm saying? I done went through a whole lot of stuff to get up in this mug. <laughs> God, you know what I'm saying? So, and all I could keep hearing was trust me. Trust me. And I saw Yvette, this when we started courting. Now, I don't know if we had, so I paid you, I think. You came out your dorm. I went outside. And I told her, and I just threw my head in her chest and cried. And I remember her telling me, God has more for you. See, that's the kind of woman you need, fellas. <laughs> and, um, and I remember I remember walking away and putting it all together, and I remember the indignant nature that I got returned by those who called me their brother, that gave me line names that told me I was this and told me I was that. When I laid down that thing that I was holding on to, they turned on me. Yeah. Yeah. See, when you lay down something that's close to you, you know who's on board based on who turns from you. See, 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 God gave me later the ability to go back and minister now, but back then I couldn't handle it. And so he says, you value this so much, E. I want you to shut it down for two decades. And I had to give that up, and I can tell you to this day, the brotherhood that I have in Christ, the relationships I have with the body, and all of the mighty things that God has done pale in comparison than me holding on to it. God, I'm just letting you know, God loves when we extravagant. That was my, that was my alabaster box, a flask 
And the disciples say, why such a waste? And now what's interesting to me is Jesus ain't talking. <coughs> He's letting them talk. See, what's funny is always get scared when you're running your mouth and Jesus isn't. Look, this Jesus laying there like this. He like in the massage parlor or something, just chilling. He's like, man, this smell good. Uh, in my humanity, I've never smelled anything like this. And he's enjoying himself. And then, while it's happening still, he doesn't stop letting her do it. He's, he says, aware of this, says, why do you trouble the woman? He said, for she has done a beautiful thing for me. See, I like the fact that Jesus can defend himself. And I like the fact that he's not merely defending himself, he's defending her sacrifice. So you don't have to run your mouth about what you gave up for the Lord. God, God, listen, God is a greater vindicator than you put out on Facebook. Some people, um, when you walking with the Lord, you know, or some people, you, you know how we do, we put a general statement out there and, and create more buzz of haterade than we would if we to just shut up and let Jesus work and talk. And so what she did is she didn't go change her avatar, nothing on. She just went on ahead and said, I'm going to just continue valuing Christ and let Christ ascribe value to what I gave up. And then, then, he, then he says, why do you trouble her? He called it trouble. He says, for she has done a beautiful thing for me. Then he says something he's never said, ever, ever, ever. He says, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. He's talking about in his incarnation. I love this. He says, in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for my burial. She didn't know that. But whenever, when she did this, Christ upgraded what she was doing it for to something greater than what she meant it for. <laughs> That's powerful. That the fact that she would make this great sacrifice and God took that sacrifice and made out of it more than what she ever thought it was because Jesus took the gesture larger and much more massive than the act that it actually was. That's the might of Christ when you give up anything and let anything go. It's the beauty of it. And he says, listen, he says, in light of this reality, she prepared me for my burial. She's preparing me for my burial, which points to the fact that Jesus is alluding to two things, that I'm going to die and that I'm a king. He said, I'm a king. Whenever kings got anointed, they would get anointed by the leadership. The leadership rejected him, so they wouldn't anoint him king. His disciples rejected him, so they wouldn't anoint him as king. And so this woman, God sovereignly, providentially, anoints Jesus as a king in the house of a reject. By a woman. By a woman. Look at the glory of the Lord. He uses for the first time in history a woman to anoint the greatest king of the universe as king. And she says, in upgrading it, Jesus, if you're nobody else's king, you're mine. You're mine. Your mind, you got to be able to not be afraid 
of the king and lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Then he upgrades, and I'm done. I'm out your way. He says, truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is just a random woman, not of much value in people's minds in the Bible. And she wasn't going to be a part of the gospel narrative, but God snatches her up and says that the gospel must be preached to the four winds. And whenever the gospel is proclaimed and when Bible translators go out and translate the Bible into another language, this story of how she valued me will be translated into every language that my word will be translated in and she will be proclaimed under her proclaiming me, which is really just proclaiming me, and she will remain in this text anonymous. Why would she remain anonymous? One other synoptic uh, gives her name as being Mary, or John gives it as being Mary. Here, Matthew wanted to hide her name. And he does it as a narrative prose so that you can see Jesus, not her name. I like that. He wanted you to walk away with just seeing Jesus. When you, you know that you value Jesus, when you're okay with not being acknowledged. And it's when she doesn't get acknowledged that Christ does acknowledge her. So my question, and I'm out your way. Nobody's going to get on the organ. I'm done. I would like to do that, but done. I just want to, so we end this series. Men and women, boys and girls, do you value your Lord? Do you value his commitment to you? Do you value what he's done to you? Do you value him enough to no matter what happens in your life, you're going to celebrate him? Are you willing in your life, everything that you find value in, everything that you ascribe purpose to and greatness to, are you willing to lay at his feet? Someone says, I can't wait till I go to heaven and get my rewards. <laughs> I, I'm not really waiting to heaven for that. That's not me. Waiting to heaven so when I get whatever rewards that I didn't give myself in the first place, I am going to, like the 24 elders, throw it at the feet of the king. And I can't wait till he returns so that all creation bows in reverence to the might of the Lord Yeshua Messiah. And everyone in front of his imperial majesty will have to say Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But you don't have to wait until he comes back to give him all glory, to give him all honor, and to give him all praise. You don't have to wait until the angel opens up the four corners of the wind. You don't have to wait until the false prophet is put into the lake of fire. You don't have to wait until Satan is done with. You don't have to wait until death is put away. 
You don't have to wait until tribulation is over. You don't have to wait until the moon is dipped in blood. You don't have to wait until the sun goes dark. You can bless his name right now. Mighty one. Mighty one. We come before you. Lord Yeshua. Sitting at the right hand of Lord Yahweh. And we proclaim that you are the king of the universe. And we value you, almighty Lord. Lord of heaven and earth. Like the song says, Jesus, O holy one. I sing to you, forgiven. Why? Because of your great love for us. God, today. We want our value of you to be deepened. I want to pray for the saints. Anyone want to join me up here? And I just want to pray for us for greater value in our life of Jesus. Anyone. I'm not going to pump you and prime you. You could just come join me. You could just come join me. You could just come join me. Valuing Christ. Paul says, I count all things as loss for the surpassing value of knowing Christ as my Lord. He says in Matthew 13, 20, 45 through 46, help us God. He says that there was a merchant, a pearl merchant who found one pearl of great value and he took all he had and purchased it. He said, a man found a treasure hidden in a field, and he went back and bought the entire field because of the one treasure that was in the field, meaning that the treasure that was in the field was more costly and valuable than the field itself. God, our treasure is Christ. Our joy and our delight in Jesus alone we are satisfied. God, I pray today that we would value you more deeply. I pray for your people who have found value in other things and other places and other people but not in you in false identities in false revelation, in false realities. God, may you upgrade our eyesight. May you upgrade our optics. May you upgrade our clarity that the lenses, when you do surgery on our eyes, 
the eyes of our soul so that we may see you and see you in all your beauty and see you in all your glory, even in the midst of a society that doesn't value you. The Bible says it's only going to get worse. But God, there should be somebody in between hatred and betrayal of you that still values you, oh God. God, may we value you, God. May we love you, God. May we commit everything in our lives to you. May we be willing to lose everything if it demands love for you, God. It doesn't merit a salvation, but it's a reflection of the one who has saved us. You demonstrated your own love for us and then while we were yet sinners, you died for us. The depths of your love is great and the depths of your love demand a response. And so God, you said no greater love than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You've done that. And you not only call us servants, but you call us friends. And may we apply friendship by presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. And God, we know and believe and testify that you will reward sacrifice. We honor you. We praise you. And we love you, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.